0: Hello and welcome to In a Different League, the official podcast of the original fantasy football game. We're your hosts, me Chris Pilau.
1: and me Jesse Parker Humphreys.
0: And here's what's coming up on this week's show:
1: we react to all things fantasy league from the FA Cup to the Premier League, and a roundup of European fixtures to come.
0: There's sibling rivalry in the In a Different League studio with Parker. Jesse's Parker. There's sibling Parker. rival. <laughs> There's sibling rivalry in the studio with Jesse's brother Ed Parker-Humphreys and fellow manager Seb Apille joining us from the Crispy Cod Fantasy League. And
1: there's no Neil Mansfield this week, but we've still got all the usual stats, news and updates, and that's this week's In A Different League.
0: Good morning, Jesse. Uh, apologies, sorry, in a very noisy recording environment. Lots of noise. That felt
1: like I'd just woken you up by doing the intro. <laughs> yeah
0: (laughs) well there's loads of like banging and like occasional screams you probably can't hear it apologies to the listeners if they can hear it it's completely independent from me but well maybe not i'm a talking point now jesse i'm second in my league i'm relevant maybe this is the media closing in who knows uh how are you is there a buzz around you the media closing in on you in the george borough wednesday league
1: There's not, I've actually, this is the weekend I've accepted that title hopes have really got away from me. Some would say, Jesse, you should have accepted this months ago. I did manage to, I said at the start of the weekend, I texted the WhatsApp group and I said, this is the week that I go above Emily, that I go into fourth place. And I did that. I am now in fourth. I am one point ahead of Emily, but... I'm now looking up at the gap ahead, the gap to the top three. And with some of the injury news we've had this week, I've decided I think it might be insurmountable and I might have to just accept beating Emily as my, you know, excitement. You know, there are actually there's someone below Emily. Andy is below Emily, but he's so far back. He has, unfortunately, sorry Andy, I know you're listening, faded a bit into irre- irrelevance in the league. But maybe he could have a big comeback too. I don't want to drink myself.
0: Well, maybe. There's still time. It's funny that you've reached a, a kind of mode of acceptance. I, I feel I've kind of done the same as well, but a positive acceptance. I think I'm comfortable saying that I, I think I'm going to finish in the top three. And I know that's not <laughs> maybe what you're expecting. I'm not. I'm, I'm 10 points off the lead. But the guy in the lead has got Haaland. Phil's got Haaland. And as always, he's got a really good squad as well. He's always been ahead of everyone else, but I'm. But the gap is kind of like forming beneath. And I think that was my aim at the start of the season to finish in the top three. I got 15 points this week. I actually was only four points off Manager of the Month for February and got exactly the same number of points as Phil in the lead. So I'm kind of keeping pace with him, and the teams below me are starting to drift further back. So I'm I'm comfortable. I think I'm going to. I think I'm going to finish in the top three. I'm happy, but it's, it's weird. It's kind of like, is it too early to say that? There's still a few months to go. I'm, I'm, I don't know. But that's me. And then obviously the FA Cup has also happened this week. I mean, the Carabao Cup has happened this week, but that's obviously had no implication in the fantasy league. We can ask you how you feel personally about Chelsea. Uh, and of course the FA Cup, which has started up again in midweek, where, which I'm also leading, but um, obviously not bringing those emotions into fantasy league land. How are you feeling after the weekend?
1: I thought this was going to be a safe space. Neil made the mistake of texting halfway through that game, and my head was on Mars at that point, And I was like, "Gotta keep you cool. This is <laughs> a vaguely professional WhatsApp group. <laughs> Don't let yourself be rattled." Uh, yeah, I was gutted to be honest. i I'd, I'd had to do that thing where like you just get off Twitter because it was just everyone was annoying me. Everyone was annoying me, so um, I actually went out. I was having fondue for dinner, so. I got in my car. We needed some Gruyere for the fondue. Went for a little drive to find a shop that would still be open on Sunday evening to to get some cheese. And I came back, and then I was then. We nice. move. We move on.
0: If you ever see Jesse out and about, then you know that. Uh, well, actually, no, because it's Saturday three o'clock. You are listening to the football. You're not getting away from the football. No. So if you see Jesse yeah. running, then it's football <laughs> related. If you see Jesse in the supermarket buying cheese, then. Uh, don't mention football.
1: You see me on a sad drive on a Sunday evening. Yeah. yeah. And, and England lost the test as well. It was, a, it was a tough week for me, sporting-wise, really.
0: Oh, yeah. What about FA Cup? FA Cup, we, we, at the time of recording, we've had a few games played already, including um, the Man City game where Harland got 500 points. Uh, are you, have you got your eyes set on silverware or are you kind of ignoring that too? you're off to buy Gruyere every time FA Cup gets mentioned?
1: <laughs> well, well Chelsea, haven't, Chelsea haven't played, obviously, in the FA Cup, so maybe we'll have to see. I your fantasy league. But me, I know yeah. you meant it by fantasy <laughs> league. Uh, our FA Cup league's very close at the moment. I am bottom, but there's only seven points between first and sixth. I am a oh, bit nice. concerned, though, that having... I, I think my problem is, Chris, is this has just been a horrible weekend for me, injury-wise. Obviously, we know my league does not have frequent auctions we'll have one more in April so I am stuck with these players but Matoma is out for the season obviously Diego Jota was you know someone I spent a lot on um, who's been injured so it just kind of feels and Kunku's out for another month
0: kunku has gone again yeah
1: so it just that's for me why I'm just like wow we're gonna have to like limp through at least April and then see what we can pick up then but it's it's looking tough.
0: Yeah, it's affecting a lot of managers out there, I think, uh, the injuries. But then obviously there are some who are relishing what's going on. You know, if you've got Arsenal players, Arsenal forwards at the moment, you're probably quite happy. It was a weekend where West Ham, kind of like out of nowhere, if you had Jared Bowen, suddenly he was back. Um, it was quite an interesting weekend. But yeah, obviously the main headline that uh, Arsenal... is kind of the the opposite with Arsenal now, I find, where you know the sort of regret you get for having like a let's say a Newcastle defender it's almost now mirrored the regret to have if you don't have an Arsenal player or you don't have an (laughs) Arsenal forward it's like you're missing you are missing out on points right now
1: yeah and I mean Saka is is really pulling me pulling me along um he's he's my top scorer um and I am pleased I I went for him he was he was someone who I did pick up who I did earmark in the auction as, as being like, OK, because I had Odegaard last year. And I was like, oh, do I go for him again? Because he he was good. But I'm glad I sort of went all in on, on Saka. Because um, at the moment, it does feel like Arsenal just can't stop scoring. And it's so funny when they had that like real, quiet, fallow period. And it kind of felt like they were sort of out of the title race, potentially. And ever since that Liverpool win, they've just basically been banging... Goals in for fun. Although I think it will be interesting to see how the Champions League sort of affects potentially these teams as as we get a bit further into it. Obviously, Arsenal lost their first leg 1-0. I do wonder how how much that might... Do Arsenal decide to prioritise the Premier League? Obviously, this is their first sort of Champions League run. If they do get past Porto, how much sort of energy do you put into those, those Champions League games midweek? Because I think with Arsenal, and I don't know whether you know, you feel like this, Chris, it feels like there's a very sort of clear starting eleven, and from a fantasy perspective, if you've got those players, great, but there's not necessarily that sort of second string of players you get with a Manchester City, say, where you're like, oh, they're not going to play every game, but... They're probably still going to pick me up quite a lot of points.
0: Yeah, I mean, with City um, and City, I, I don't think we'll have that problem in Europe any, either. There are some other teams who might, you know, Aston Villa it would be interesting to see where they start shifting their priorities. And you're right to bring up the same with Arsenal. But with City, you know, you may as well go for even going going down as far as the likes of like Oscar Bob or even like their second keeper. And sorry, so so many choices in defence and in midfield who you can go for to kind of like get that second player. I've had Ben White all season and haven't really seen an opportunity to get a second player in. They don't have as big a squad and they don't have as big a squad of, of players who are playing, so you're right they've even got that you've either got that first eleven plus, you know, two or three if you've got the likes of Leandro Trossard or whoever. But then otherwise you're you're stuck with that FOMO. And, you know, if we're looking ahead, Arsenal play it's the final game of the weekend, we kind of go backwards here, but Arsenal are playing Sheffield United. And Look, if you just assume that sort of like cliches or like commentators' curse and stuff can't happen, it really could be a question of how many goals that they do get, and you know that FOMO will only increase now in the Sheffield United game, and that feeling of not having an Arsenal player, I actually, it's not going to be enjoyable the, the the Monday night game against Sheffield United, and I would love to know out there actually if there are if there is anyone are there any fantasy league managers who have got Sheffield United defenders who are either forced to playing them? I mean, firstly, why do you still have them? Uh, But they could have some weird rule. Or maybe sort of like they've got four and they have to play them or something. Or maybe they're just doing it as sort of like a roulette of like, this could be my big differential. I'll play my Sheffield United defence against Arsenal. We'd like to hear from you if you're out there. I don't think we're going to get many people writing in.
1: No, that feels like something we need to sort of ask Neil about because I feel like he must um, he must know. But I would be very, very uh, surprised. It is interesting, you know, that it feels like at the moment, obviously, the sort of top three really pushing on. Uh, and I guess the standout fixture from this weekend coming it is with one of those, those teams, City, playing in, in the Manchester derby against United, obviously. Um, what do you sort of make of where United are? Because... They obviously lost to Fulham. Much excitement in, in my household around that. Late Fulham winner there um, after it, it looked like they were going to get a draw. But again, this is one of those weird results where you're like, weren't Manchester United losing all the time? But they they were. They were picking up these points. But do you think this could be a pretty brutal result? I'd be more interested actually to hear because I know we had, wasn't Harry Maguire a very very popular sort of transfer in? recently i'd be intrigued to hear if people are sort of sticking with united um defenders and they're also an interesting team because they've got a lot of youngsters popping up don't they so they had um Forson starting the game against fulham over anthony so they are someone if you think if you wanted to bet on united's weird up and down form they're certainly a team who they probably have fancy players you can pick up for fantasy league
0: yeah, so obviously, we, I mean, we we are going backwards now. So obviously the Sheffield United-Arsenal game is the Monday night. This is the game preceding it on the Sunday afternoon at 3.30. You could almost say the same thing, right? You know, you predict that Arsenal are going to smash Sheffield United. If you just look at form, then, you know, City have just come off the back of their massive FA Cup win against Luton United have just come off the back of not only defeat but like some of the decisions in that game and like they deserve to be beaten by Fulham but it does always feel foolish to predict a game like a Manchester derby uh, and especially when the results and the form kind of goes that way after games like against Luton and Fulham but it's difficult you, you, like okay can you go one step further and like sound really clever but United w- w- were just not good against Fulham like they invite so many shots invited so many shots against them, which is not good if you're going to be playing Man City. And the Fulham winner, you know, played out absolutely terribly, coming from the opposite corner flag. And I was watching that on Match of the Day, and at the time of it happening, I, just, I really just couldn't believe it. it. Again, like another cliche, but it really just felt schoolboy. Like, you, 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 you'd you be able to, like, pull those players aside and tell them literally what they did wrong. And it's kind of, I've said before how uh, fantasy league feelings can kind of mirror and reflect in the real world and and kind of like talking about FOMO. But there, I don't think there is a lot of FOMO for these United players. With Harry Maguire, he did look like he was, you know, he kind of like really urged that equaliser that they got and he was doing quite well going forwards. But again, he was all over the place. You kind of need your defenders to be defending. So he, he was all over the place. I've got one Man United player and that's Bruno Fernandes, you know he gets a lot of criticism especially towards the end of games for just sort of like lashing shots yeah I remember doing that against Luton and he's kind of a bit all over the place and I feel like we do need to talk about him a bit because I really he was one of my top two targets him and Ollie Watkins coming into the season because you know he picks up a lot of points takes a lot of penalties but I, I, but I do think that Ten Hag has got him playing slightly differently or sort of like he's he's also his frustration used to lead to better things but doesn't so much anymore and I just don't see him breaking forward as much as I did before. Um, you want your sort of fantasy league players to be kind of like be in the picture, and he and he isn't really. And it's starting to frustrate me a bit. You know, sometimes he's getting the assist to the assist, which is the worst thing in fantasy league. And it's kind of like his ten Hag allow telling him that he can't push forward in the same way as he maybe not allowed to take the risks. So that's a bit of concern for me. I think unless you've got Hoyland, who obviously wasn't playing against Fulham. You know, and this might sound really sort of like dramatic and reactionary, but I don't think that there are that many Man United players that, that you go after. And if you've got your Man City players going into this weekend, I think Man City probably you know, might and will concede against United. Um but otherwise you're so much happier going into this Manchester Derby with Man City players than Man United, which all might sound a bit obvious, but City blew Luton away in midweek. Foden is like really capitalising on this focus that Teams have on Erling Haaland, um, which is allowing him a bit of space, and then obviously he hasn't even been playing De Bruyne in the Premier League, and you only add him into the mix, and he gets that even more. I've read the stat that Guardiola teams now scored five plus goals, have scored five plus goals in a game 112 times. That's once every eight games they're going to score five plus goals. I mean that's why, like you said about Arsenal before, that's why you're going after Man City players and loading up on Man City players, and I don't think you are with Man United. Is my long Manchester Derby monologue ended? <laughs> Someone out there has got Erling Haaland and Kevin De Bruyne in their team, and they would have got 23 points from that FA Cup game in midweek. I mean, I know it's in the FA Cup, but amazing.
1: Still a trophy. Still a trophy. Yeah. Um, looking at the other fixtures, wh- where do you want to go to next? We carry on going well, backwards. Well, I think we should go backwards
0: because, um... yeah, Burnley Bournemouth is actually big. You know, there might not be a lot of Burnley players mm. playing. But Bournemouth haven't been on this run. You said last week they haven't won a game in 2024. They still haven't. This is big for them. You say, you know, you like your underlying numbers, Jesse. Suggested that he should be winning these games. Their XG is mm. quite high. They kind of remind me a bit of like Brighton a couple of seasons ago under Graham Potter, the season before they kind of exploded. I mean, where they just weren't scoring goals that they should. But do you have any Burnley Bournemouth players? That you're looking to kind of, or do you have any Bournemouth players that you're looking to get results against Burnley, is the question.
1: No, I don't actually, I don't have, it. I could think because beyond sort of Dom's lanky, the, the sort of obvious name, um, Bournemouth obviously lost in the FA Cup as well, which is one of those results where you feel like it shouldn't be, if you just sort of step back, you have to remind yourself that that's like kind of a shock result, as it were, <laughs> because it feels like historically you'd expect Leicester to be to be better, uh, but obviously at the moment they're in the division below yeah but it is it is a big game and it is interesting like we, we've we said a lot haven't we like what kind of impact can you know Burnley or Sheffield United have can they have any impact on these other teams who are sort of like a little bit above them but maybe more in their their wheelhouse it hasn't really you know come to pass has it um they're both still pretty rubbish but obviously Everton have had this points deduction uh taken down so they've sort of popped up in in the table a bit more and it does kind of make things feel just a little bit more congested I'd say sort of from Palace downwards I think you know obviously Burnley and Sheffield United are effectively gone and it does look like Luton will be that that other team that goes down too but I don't know from a Palace perspective are you like are you looking down at all from from there? Uh,
0: yes and no I think that it, let's see if there, if a new manager bounce will continue. I mean, Palace have only played Burnley so far, and if we're still talking about Burnley against Bournemouth, Burnley is like Vincent Company reminds me of like even the fantasy league manager who's given up, or, or or like or fantasy league manager who's kind of like keeps making the same mistakes, you know, not doing the super subs or like missing transfer or sealed bid windows, or like not learning that actually you shouldn't be playing. Defenders from the bottom half in your team. It's just kind of starting to get a bit annoyingly repetitive with Burnley. With those teams below Palace, I do want, you know, I brought up Bournemouth as well because Bournemouth's next run of, like, have actually got a really good run of games coming up. So Bournemouth will either suffer if they don't do something about this or they could pick up a chain of results here, which could threaten the likes of Palace. Bournemouth are playing Burnley, Sheffield United, and Luton. Like, you literally cannot ask better than that. And then within the three matches that follow, they're playing Everton and Luton again. That is a lot of points that they can pick up in those games. And but you know, Bournemouth are doing really, really well towards the back end of twenty twenty three, so that could suddenly be a team that threatens Palace. I think, but I don't. I think that will only just bring Palace a few places, a couple of places down if they're going to be affected and not start to pick up results. I, I, I don't think. And I said at the start how I feel quite comfortable in the top three. I, I think that Palace are going to be okay. Um, and and if we're comparing managers to fantasy league managers, Glasner just like like looks happy. He's the first Palace manager for a while that's actually kind of like got a smile on his face and is quite positive. Uh, taking it, how like fantasy league managers should take fantasy league, I find. I believe, but, in but in I would be wary.
1: To wipe the smile off his face.
0: Well, yeah, I, I, I do worry that, you know, like I say, it was against Burnley. Like, is it a bit of a sort of like a full spring thing? Because there are a lot of Palace fans being really giddy and they've been really giddy at the moment about Franca especially. And Franca could be someone to target, but I'm just a bit wary of what I've seen. And maybe it's what I've seen is because he hasn't given enough game time. I know he came on and scored, two, got two assists in like 30 minutes when he came on on the weekend against Burnley. He does seem a bit, he seems slower than I thought he would be. He seems a bit indecisive poor decision maker but obviously a lot of that can come with game time it looks like Glasner wants to give him a chance in a way that Roy Hodgson didn't so let's see But so so maybe there's a question mark over him and obviously Jordan Ayew if you don't have Jordan Ayew in your team but Jordan Ayew isn't a traditionally high fantasy league point scoring manager but yeah I'd just kind of just, just watch Palace for a while maybe by the time that your next sealed bids window comes around Jesse there could be a Palace we'll player to go for but I wouldn't quite um, say it quite yet
1: Fittingly, because he's on in part two, but my brother and I, we're we're big France fans from... Not really fans, we just alighted on him as we were watching Palace over Christmas and everyone was so slow and we were just looking on your bench, like, who could they... Play? And we were like, he's young, they should play him. So I now feel invested in him doing well because I scouted him from the Palace bench with Edward.
0: Yeah, just with the... The thing is that he came on in some of those games and he wasn't as quick as I thought that he would be. That's the problem. Mm-hmm.
1: He was also awful <laughs> against Chelsea. So then I was like, "Yeah."
0: But talking of quick players, one player I do want to talk about. This is guy. This is Saturday three o'clock. So also kind of when the, the Tottenham Palace games are. And actually, there are a lot of Saturday three o'clock fi- fixtures. So there could be decisions to be made if you're setting your super subs. Um, I had a quick look already, and I think I've got a couple of choices to make. although maybe injuries will help me there. Um, but that's Adama Traoré for Fulham. Now, again, I do not want to be reactionary. I've never had him. I don't think I ever will. I'm not saying that I I am going for a Dharma trial right here, but he's coming back from injury, and the way he came on against that struggling defence against Man United kind of makes you worry, makes you wonder about their you know their upcoming run where they're playing Brighton obviously this weekend. They've got Wolves and Tottenham. The Tottenham actually are quite leaky. They've also got Sheffield United, Forest, Newcastle coming up. Newcastle against Dan Burn potentially uh west ham maybe so if you're looking for those sort of like differentials and he starts coming on regularly especially if he's used as a super sub in the real world sense of the word then he could be worth a punt i said i won't because i kind of want starters in my team and i'm happy with my squad but question mark over adama troy or a maybe yeah i think he's definitely a
1: player again who if you if you're looking for if there's not many players available he's definitely worth taking a punt on. I feel like he's, for me, he's always been so frustrating from a fantasy league perspective because he'll come on and he'll be like a nuisance. But nu- you don't get nuisance points in fantasy league. Or if you do, yes. please, let, if you've got a special setup, I'd love that. I'd love to be like chief nuisance points giver outer. That would be a fun, you know, regal role. You could have, that. your spare manager could do something like that, Chris. But, yeah, so I think in the past that's why he's sort of always frustrated me as a player because it's so obvious, sort of, his talent and what he's able to do and how he can sort of brush players off, especially when he's been, you know, oiled up before he comes onto the pitch. But that doesn't always turn into turn into points. Um, but yeah, I do think that that Fulham team. There's something quite fun about it. I think they're quite a, an enjoyable side. I like watching them um, at the moment. They there's a lot of sort of fun players who kind of pop up, and you're like, oh, you're there.
0: Yeah, yeah, I know. I was actually surprised to see Adama Traore come on because <laughs> I know no, he's had a lot of injuries. Uh, but I I completely forgot on slash may not have ever really been aware that he was at Fulham. But <laughs> the, there you go. He is at Fulham, and I've just told. Uh, the listeners to maybe to maybe go for him, so so he's there, and 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 he's playing against Brighton, who have Adingra, another sort of like unknown player to me at the start of the season. Phil, who is top of our league, bought Adingra, Simon Adingra from Brighton in the auction, released him in September, bought him again in October, released him in January, and now <laughs> bought him once again in the February. And tr- sorry, okay, for one point five million spent. money on him. I know, it's kind of a like, will man. he, won't he? Uh, the sort of yeah, the breakup that they keep coming back together. He ha- he had a good Afcon. Uh, I mean, I remember when he bought him at the auction. I didn't really know who he was, and I I'm still not really too sure. I haven't seen him play that much for Brighton, but yeah, he got a lot of love at Afcon, and it looks like he could be the next one to be blended in. To the Brighton squad, and especially you brought up the fact that Matoma is injured. They, they're going to need players in the likes of Simon Atingra. Yeah, anyway. he's
1: actually a pl- player I looked at for the auction as well, um, because you know I love I love to go and find those those niche players who you inevitably think are going to do something and then actually don't do anything for most of the season, a bit like, you know, the experience that's been had in your league. Um, And in the end, I didn't. I went for Ferguson and and Matoma as as my two Brighton players. But yeah, the thing with Brighton, and I've said this throughout the season, is they're just frustrating because they rotate so much. And Matoma was good because Matoma was like the one player in that that forward line who did start every game. And now, now he's injured. It'll be interesting to see if Adingra, for example, does sort of nail down more of a, a starting spot but um you know buonanotti is the other one who like he kind of comes in and out of the team um and it's kind of quite hard to predict who exactly is going to be playing playing when that's my annoyance with with brighton because you've obviously got Ansu Fati sort of floating around there on the sussex coast which always makes me laugh so yeah they it does feel like even though they've had, they've had a lot of injuries they have seem to constantly have new options
0: yeah p.s please come back soon joao pedro
1: we had a couple of call-outs there. So if you've, got, if you've got a Sheffield United defender, Chris wants to hear from you. Um, I want to hear from whether anyone's picking up some of those niche United players. Do you think they're worth betting on? Uh, you can get in touch with us, podcast at fantasyleague.co.uk or on social media at Fantasy League. Uh, let us know how, how your teams are getting on at the moment. Welcome back to part two of In A Different League. And this week we are joined by a familiar face to me, at least. We are joined by Ed Parker-Humphreys and Seb Sandiapile from the Crispy Cod Fantasy League. Uh, Yes, Ed is related to me. He's my brother. And this is his, I guess, is it fair to say it was a a breakaway league in a sense, Ed?
2: Yeah, I think it was when the George Borough Wednesday League kind of became too popular for its own good, having recruited a couple of my friends, including Seb, then more and more um, people from... So this was when we were back in secondary school, Seb and Siang, I think at one point, Spriggs, who's also in our league, uh, joined the George Borough, but then everyone else suddenly wanted to join and then we took the, the bold decision to, to start up a fresh league, but in the process I had to betray my family.
0: It's funny because um, when Jesse was talking about the George and Say League, Jesse is a self-described child prodigy of the league. So where does that, where do you stand in the family, like the lineage of fantasy league stardom?
2: I like to think, well, I remember my first season. I think I got very lucky because it was like just, it was the season before Cristiano Ronaldo left Man United. And I think everyone thought he was going to leave that season therefore no one bid on him and I as like a 10 year old or something was like oh this person has lots of points I'll bid on them really confused as to know why no one else wanted him so I think in the early days my like prodigy was more just luck uh, rather than any hidden talent
1: and Seb what kind of attracted you and interested you to Fantasy League obviously not being you know farmed through the Park Humphreys Fantasy (laughs) League where everyone has to play
3: (laughs) I think for me and then our group of friends at school, we were massive football nerds. This was just a, an opportunity to to make us feel like that mattered. <laughs> like we used to have conversations at lunch, like, would you want your defensive midfielder to score 15 goals given the opportunity cost for your defence? You know, so we were like, we were proper nerds. This was a nice way of expressing that um, in a way that I think we all felt that playing the I don't know if you guys if there's a well there must be a friendly rivalry with the other fantasy league options but we just felt with the other options there was it's just too easy for everyone to pick the same players everyone has the same knowledge and we liked the opportunity to show that maybe you might know something that other people don't and and it might pay off for you.
0: Well yeah and obviously this way of playing uh, fantasy league is different um but Kind of like, it almost feels like a therapy session for the siblings here. But when you've got two children playing a game and then there's some sort of dispute and then one goes off in one corner to play, well, I'm going to play my version of the game. Usually they make it so ridiculous. Like, well, my way is different and my way is so much better. And these are the rules, actually, of hide and seek. We actually do it this way and come up with preposterous ways. I think you know where I'm going here. Ed, what you have done to... The Fantasy League version of the game. Do you want to just begin by start talking to us through some of the... Uh, I mean, they're not ridiculous, they're fascinating rules uh, that, that you've um, put in place in the Crispy Cod Fantasy League.
2: It's definitely evolved as we've gone on. We're now, I think, in, must be like season seven or eight of the Crispy Cod Fantasy League. When we originally set it up, it mirrored the traditional system perfectly. And I think in the in the spectrum of traditionalists versus modernizers in our league, I think I would definitely put myself more to the traditional end. When we have these sort of constitutional debates about the future of our league, I'm always the one slightly erring on the side of, you know, don't change it too much. But the things that we have done, and I think they've they've worked and made it more interesting in many ways. So we have a mid-season auction where so you obviously have the original auction start the season as normal. 11 players we just we got rid of subs a couple of years ago because no one could be bothered doing their super subs um so we went back to like just 11 and then you have one sealed bids about a quarter of the way through that kind of works pretty much the same but then in like mid-season so normally we do it on fa cup third round weekend there's like an easy midpoint just after christmas you have another auction where you can retain four of your players or up to four of your players, you could retain none, for the price that you've paid for them already. So whether that's at the original auction or at the sealed bids. And then that comes out of your your budget resets to, to 50 mil as we use, as it was at the start. But then you kind of have to take the money out if you want to retain them. So if I bought Salah for 20 mil, I'd then have to spend 20 mil to retain him. But you kind of have that fixed price. And then you just go and do the auction again. So I guess the, the idea was, I think, wasn't it, said that we just would make it a bit more... If, if, you're, if you're bottom of the league and you've kind of screwed it in the first auction, this is your opportunity to kind of claw your way back in. And it kind of throws the league open
3: a bit more at that point in the season. Yeah. And I think when... We got rid of super subs, as Ed said, because we couldn't be bothered. But then we realised that once the auction happens, there's not much you can do. And we wanted a way of making it in, more interesting for longer if you're, as Ed says, if you're struggling a bit. Or even if you're mid-table and you think, well, at this point, the people in front of me have Harlem and Salah, what am I going to do? Um, the mid-season auction acts as a way of making it more interesting for longer.
1: And have you seen any big sort of, Comebacks as a result? Or does it tend to still be? Because I guess if you can hold, if you're, you know, if you have Salah or Haaland, you're not putting them back in.
0: Or Ollie Watkins, by the way.
1: <laughs> or Ollie Watkins.
2: <laughs> yeah, we've definitely, I think sometimes it's been less, the, the thing that, and I guess we'll come on to this in a sec, but the thing that you definitely don't want to do in our league is finish bottom. So I think it's really in recent seasons been about avoiding finishing bottom, and that's where the kind of the pressure in that mid-season auction always feels a bit more on whoever's languishing in sixth or seventh to try and like, you know, get their app together. I was, I was in that position a couple of seasons ago and I just really went back to basics in that, in that mid-season auction. I wasn't trying anything too clever. I was just like, I'm going to buy Man City defender. I'm going to buy a Liverpool defender. I just need points on the board. So yeah, we've had a couple of people who've used that as the opportunity to, escape the fate of, of
3: seventh place? Well, I think Ed deliberately set me up for this one. But I was in this position where I was languishing, as he says, last season. Surprisingly enough, Salah had been uh, released by whoever had him. And I thought, OK, there's my opportunity to like rescue my season. And I went all in on Salah, breaking our previous transfer record with a 31 million bid. So that's 31 of our 50. To just think, okay, well, if I have Salah, that that will save me. In the end, it wasn't quite enough, and I did finish last after some final weekend drama. It was worth it for the ride, maybe.
1: And tell us what but- happens if you finish last.
0: Well, exactly.
3: <laughs> okay, yeah, I guess this this was my this was my uh, inevitable duty. So it's changed. It's changed over time. We agreed. When, I think when we first set up the league, we agreed that there should be a forfeit if you if you win we, we have a trophy actually that we engrave each year with the the winner's name and the, the amount of points they scored which is a nice perk and but we agreed there should also be a forfeit for for coming last historically there's been difficulty enforcing that that forfeit <laughs> but last year we thought okay we'll all agree to a forfeit before the season starts and last year we took an idea off off the internet as you do uh, which was basically the loser has to spend twenty four hours consecutively in a McDonald's, but for each large meal you eat, you get to take an hour off. so yeah, quite one I was quite desperate to avoid, and going into the last weekend of the season, I had a fairly healthy i was I was second from bottom, but with quite a good cushion for one week remaining, I think six or seven points, and I looked at so the guy I was going up against had Harland and was still managing to finish bottom because the rest of his team was just that bad and I thought okay well his only hope here is Haaland I remember obviously all the games start at the same time you get that, that three o'clock kickoff and then I remember checking the team sheets and Haaland wasn't playing City had already won the league and they had the Champions League final to come so I think that they, they like he was just being rested and I thought okay I'm absolutely fine here Haaland isn't playing I have a bit of a lead he has he has no other conceivable source of points I'm fine and then I check the scores 15 minutes into the game. Somehow Jacker has scored two goals. And I think, OK, right. <laughs> I'm going to finish last because of Granite Xhaka. But then I think like the as it went into the second half of it, things were like we were moving up and down slightly as like clean sheets were coming and going. And then I remember that he was he was a point above me. But only because he still had the, the clean sheet points that Xhaka had as a as a defensive midfielder. And I think you only keep them if the player plays more than 75 minutes. And then at 74 minutes and 40 seconds, Granite Xhaka got subbed off to get his like round of applause for leaving Arsenal. So I thought I'd stayed, I'd managed to avoid it by a 20-second uh, substitution. But then in the 90th minute. City conceded a goal, and I lost my clean sheet from Edison, and I ended up ended up bottom with with two minutes left in the season, and yeah, I had to spend uh, the best part of twenty four hours in a McDonald's.
0: Yeah, and sorry, I'm sorry to move away from the Fantasy league chat, but I kind of we need to we need to hone in a bit on this twenty four hours in McDonald's. Is there a McDonald's of choice? I mean, are many of them open for twenty four hours a day? Did you, did you? How did you go about choosing the McDonald's you were gonna you were gonna spend your time in? Was it being monitored? Uh, and that includes by the members of staff at McDonald's. Were you worried that they were monitoring you? Uh, and how many hours did you shave
3: off? The, okay, okay, I can go. I can go through. I can relive this ordeal just for entertainment. Okay, I thought a lot about this actually. One thing I thought was, I'm going to be spending long enough there. I don't want to be adding a commute to this, so I'll pick my my local. My local McDonald's is only open for 18 hours, but I backed myself to eat six meals over that period to hit the 18 hour. So I thought I took a risk because obviously if I hadn't made it, I would have had to do the whole thing again.
1: <laughs> but I took a
3: risk back to myself uh, and thought, okay, I can eat at least six large meals over the course of 18 hours. Uh, I turned up at openings at at, at 6, 6 a.m. It was, it's, that was itself pretty grim. Like I've not been at McDonald's that early before, but it's a bit of a different, it's a different experience to what you might be used to. I set myself a target of like, okay, I know I need to hit minimum six. I ended up in the end I'm I don't know if this I'm proud or ashamed to say it. I ended up having nine. Oh I my god. Nine large meals. And I ended up out by nine PM. So in the end it wasn't like it was just an extended work day, really. Um but <laughs> yeah, but that's what it took. Nine large meals. And I think I I think I struck the right balance. Like I still got you know, I, I, I retained my sanity and I didn't have to throw up, so yeah. Overall, I think I hit I hit the right mark. You definitely set the like the. I think that is the blueprint.
2: The way that that you did it. I think we've all like had this mental conversation in our head of like, okay, if I ever do end up in that situation, how? Because this was the so this is only the only the second year that we'd had this forfeit in place. The person and and I'll shame him publicly, Matthew Kingdom. Who finished last the year before? Then decided that he didn't want to do fantasy league anymore. <laughs> oh so, come on! Which I mean, if you if you really want to escape the forfeit, then yeah, the only way is to to quit the league and never return. Banishment. Banishment exactly. Yeah. But yeah, Seb's kind of set the was the first person to do it actually, and I think set the way the way forward. I mean, I don't plan to be doing it anytime soon if i do i know that peckham rye mcdonald's is a an excellent location we all went and checked it was it was quite sweet i think we all went in and checked or quite a few of us went in and checked in on seb over the over the course of the day because i was i only lived down in Deptford, so it's a nice run up to peckham had a had some lunch obviously um and we also made seb send us kind of multiple photos like for every meal we had to like send a photo of his receipt and kind of some sort of evidence of it it being eaten we stopped short of like a a a live stream of the whole (laughs) the whole event which would have been the only way to know for sure but i think there's a there's a degree of trust involved i think seb upheld his his end of the bargain
1: My main question is why you don't do this at the Crispy Cods on Orpington High Street. Exactly. Surely that would have been the perfect place for this kind of forfeit. It's
2: a very good shout, to be fair. I mean, the only problem there is it means kind of going back to Orpington, which we have less and less cause for um, these days now that we were in. So Orpington was where we were at school, and hence why it wasn't just a random, random selection of being like, do you know what? This fish and chip shop in this random place we have no connection to that's going to be our league's namesake
0: <laughs> but and actually, I think that you would definitely have to explain it to them if you were there for that long, and they'd probably be quite hospitable in there they'd look after you, and it wouldn't as be as humiliating maybe as the as the Mcdonalds so so it, it does make sense, I think
1: potentially not open for as long though
0: no, you'd have to eat a lot of fish and chips to make sure <laughs> that you fit into the eight hours that they're opening. <laughs> that sounds pretty bad for you, seb, is that the sort of the worst that it's been the nine Big Macs or whatever it was.
3: You'd think it couldn't get much worse, but I've actually had a lucky escape with uh, a potentially much worse forfeit, depending on your perspective. So this was actually in the first the first year of our breakaway league, I think, when we were young and naive. I think this was just after we'd left school as well and we went on a one of those holidays that you only ever go on when you're 18 and you would never consider doing again. I think it was in sunny beach bulgaria one night when not really in the best frame of mind to be thinking about this kind of thing i was having a chat with a couple of a couple of the boys who are in the league and we were saying oh we said we would we would do a forfeit if someone came last but no one's actually done a forfeit like what should we do and then i came up with a great idea of being like well how about every year (laughs) your forfeit is to get a tattoo of oh your God. worst decision at the auction that <laughs> so you would get the player you bought and the price you paid for them and in that year this was the year i think that um Chelsea had like inexplicably well now it seems normal but they'd like finished 10th somehow uh someone at the beginning of the year had bid 17 million for Eden Hazard and he'd gone on to score like zero goals until april then he got rid of him in that midseason auction and then he went and scored four goals in the last four or five weeks. So that was by far his worst decision. He was like, oh, yeah, well, I guess I could get, get Hazard 17 million tattooed on me. We all thought this was a, a great idea and a laugh at the time. And so much so that I thought, OK, well, why don't we all get tattoos in solidarity? So we all like ran off to this tattoo parlor to get fancy football tattoos. I think I was going to get Matej Vidra tattooed on me as we got there. I had this this moment of realisation and I was like, no, guys, we can't do this. Like this is this is life ruining. Please, please, let's not do this. But he was already so he was so up for it. He was like, no, what are you talking about? This is the best idea you ever had. And At I, I, this point, I have to admit, I was I was breaking down. I was I was in tears. I was like, no, you can't let me ruin your life like this. Running out of the tattoo parlour. And then the rest of my friends come and find me outside this tattoo parlor, like, what's what's wrong? What? what? And um I'm like, Oh, I think I've I've ruined I've ruined his life. He's he's gonna I don't wanna name him in case his employer is listening. But um I'll, <laughs> I'll name him. He's, he's, gonna go and get a, <laughs> he's gonna go and get an Eden Hazard tattooed on his hip. And they're like, No, no, there's no way he he would have actually done it. Let's let's go in. And I go in, and he's sporting this massive grin, and then he's he pulls down, he pulls down his shorts, and he's got Eden Hazard seventeen million tattooed on it. Oh my god! So, um, so I, by I comparison, gonna... I feel I feel lucky to have got away with a, a trip to McDonald's.
0: I was going to say you could get away with it maybe if it was sort of like just Hazard and seventeen, and it almost makes it. I don't know. You could do some. Well, I say you can only because I'm thinking that my equivalent would be having to have Pierre Emerick Aubameyang 23 million, uh, which would be a long one tied. as well. <laughs> <Yeah>. Long name <laughs>
1: all across your chest. You would have to have that.
0: Yeah. But that's extraordinary. I also like the fact that you didn't want to name him just in case having Ed Hazard 17 million is a sackable offence. To be honest, it, it may well be. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of companies out there. That's extraordinary. And it's not the only uh, rule that you've got. Um, you, obviously, you spoke about the sort of... I, I, it's kind of almost like a wild card equivalent, what you do in January, but obviously a much better version. You know, we're not going to compare to to FPL right here. Um, but there's something else that you do, in, and most um the traditional way of playing fantasy league is that you've got a two-per-club maximum rule. Um, but you've kind of taken that one step further as well. Do you want to explain how that works um, and sort of the the effect it has on the league as well by doing that?
2: Yeah, so we've got a we've got the two per club maximum rule, but it's only three clubs you can do that for. So you could have two players from Chelsea, two from City, two from Arsenal. Um, not that you'd want two players from Chelsea uh, this in this campaign. And then the rest have to be all different teams. So you can't hit two on another, on a fourth club. So you end up with kind of eight clubs represented at least. You can't obviously go, you could have 11 different clubs if you want. But I think the idea was to try and stop people hoarding or like just having big six clubs in represented in their teams and trying to get a few more of those kind of smaller club players represented. It has in some ways, I think, made it, harder because the demand or it's kind of like impacted on how people price and bid on those players because suddenly you know a very high scoring player from outside one of the those big six clubs becomes a lot more valuable because you're like oh I need to hit all of these other clubs I need to make sure that I've actually got players who are going to score points so it does kind of like warp the pricing in in that point but I also think yeah it makes it a bit more means there's never a dull match as well like chances are whichever teams are playing there's going to be like points up for grabs and it's going to have an impact impact on our league which is kind of fun as well
0: has jesse ever Practicing. been invited to play in this league or jesse <laughs> is it something you'd you stick no
1: in? i'm loyal to the georgeborough wednesday league i would never go to the crispy cod fantasy league What well, firstly because the thought of the forfeit is horrendous yeah. um i do think the the rules are fun i think obviously because your guys' league and the George Wednesday League, they're not particularly big leagues. And I think that kind of sort of enforced scarcity does help because I definitely find that in our league, you know, it's very easy to sort of get eight, ten players from who you think are going to be in the top four or five. Not that it necessarily seems to ever serve me that well. And I do I do still think finding those, like, edge cases, as it, as it were, it, perhaps like someone like Ollie Watkins, Chris, um is is often what gives gives people that push to the top anyway but i do think it's an interesting way of um yeah forcing people to think a bit more carefully about what players they want to pick up
0: also the fact that you two both play different versions of the game means that you can't you've kind of removed the the debate as to who is better at fantasy league it's like unquantifiable now right now, i, I imagine there aren't are there any debates and things because obviously you still play with your sister Jesse. And your dad, of course, but there's no sort of... You, you're not cross-comparing. Ed's removed himself.
1: We've never been at that, that, that rival-iness on fantasy. I don't even really remember playing it together. I don't know His why. He was I, so
0: I, I insignificant.
1: Think... <laughs> his uh... <laughs> No, I think I must have taken a break maybe when I was I at uni. I think you did. Because I don't remember ever playing with anyone from your league. So maybe I took a break when I was at uni. So then we were never really in competition. Um, but I do remember when we were in, because did you do your auction in Australia as well this year? Ed and yeah. I were at the Women's oh, World Cup God, together. Yeah. And I remember very clearly being on the way to one of the games in Brisbane and Edward explaining, like, all the all of these rules and me trying to figure out, like, how I would build a team. I was like, this is so complicated. That
2: was a particularly... And it's something that we always, well, quite frequently, we seen seem to have someone in, like, a distant part of the, the globe, which then means that someone, like, zooming in at, like... 4am in their time looking absolutely knackered which was me this year from from melbourne i think we've also started to enforce a rule, um which we haven't come to yet but you're only allowed a certain number of like remote auctions you know we're we're committed we're not a, a auction from a broad league we're like we want to do it in person because it's i guess also for for us it's been like a nice way to to stay in touch as well because we kind of started when we were in year 11 year 12 at secondary school and nice that with one or two dropouts other than that we've kind of kept it together over the last seven eight years so yeah we're trying to keep it in person where possible with and you allowed like a certain number of free passes to do in a a broad auction
0: well look i've gone a step further you're either in the room or you're not in the auction as far as the glwfl is confirmed uh concerned so uh, Seb, Ed, are either of you in contention of uh, of 24 hours at McDonald's or are you both kind of safe with a few of the months left to go in the season?
2: I'm top of the league. So, you know, I'll just, I'll just slip that one in there. straight <laughs> off. Yeah, it's been a good season for me so far. I Definitely don't think I'm finishing bottom, but I'm now... Uh, we just had our auction a couple of weeks ago or like at the start of Jan and I'm maintaining the lead, but I'm not sure if it will necessarily last. I need Salah to... I'm very glad Salah is back from, from AFCON and uninjured. Um, but then obviously that comes into a bit of contrast with my wanting Arsenal to win the league. So I need Liverpool to draw lots of games four four over the next kind of four or five months.
3: I'm comfortably mid table. it's not even it's not even crossed my mind. But uh who the person who's it's a Haaland curse because the team in last again has Haaland, so if he picks up, it's all up it's all up in the air again. Yeah, that's
0: crazy how a team with Harland can be bottom of the league. But that's how it goes, especially if you introduced weird and wonderful rules into your leagues. And we're keen to hear from all the leagues out there if you introduce weird and wonderful ones of your own, and especially forfeits. This is definitely the best forfeit we've heard uh, so far. Um, can you better 24 hours in McDonald's? Please do get in touch, podcast at fantasyleague.co.uk and of course on social media at Fantasy league. Seb, Ed, it's been a pleasure to have you both on the podcast to tell us about the Crispy Cod Fantasy League. And to all our listeners, we will see you in part three. Okay, Jesse, so there's no Neil this week. And actually... If Neil's not here, then sometimes you might expect there to be lots of controversy, like manual assists that people want to shout in. But it doesn't sound like there was a lot of controversy this week for Neil. But we can rattle through some of the usual news and business. And we can start on what I like uh, to hear from Neil, which is the team of the week of game week 26. And he's not going to slowly reveal it to us. He has sent it to us already by email and looking at it right now, I'm looking at a team called Ajax Super Slug managed by Steve Ledger in the Monday Night Strikers League. Uh, He scored 37 points, so he got the TPW, the 30-point weekend, plus seven more. And if you look at his squad, I mean, there are 12 teams in the squad, but it's quite a healthy squad we're looking at here. I mean, he's got seven strikers. Cunha, Hoyland, both injured. McBurney, uh, but Leon Bailey... Odds Edouard and Ketier and Watkins. So actually, yeah, seven strikers, but not seven amazing strikers, and many who, who kind of like missed out over the weekend. But he would have picked up some great points from Alex Awobi, who he's got in midfield, Jared Bowen, and a really strong defence. So well done to you, Steve Ledger. Anything jump out at you from Steve Ledger's team, Jesse?
1: I just love when you get, you see this sometimes with FPL as well, when they post it, and you, that you get a team that's like a top scorer, and you're just like, what a random collection of players. But, you yeah. know, one week it will really work for you at some point in the season. That's how, kind of how I feel looking at his team. This is such a random collection of players. Um, I will say, Kunya, I would not have put Kunja on as many points as he was on if you'd asked me to guess how many points he'd racked up over the course of the season.
0: Yeah, he got quite a few, especially in the last few. I mean, there's a Cunha owner, I know this very well. Um, he was He was silently picking them up, but then really in the last few weeks before his injury, he really started to hit some form. But he could be coming back from injury- uh, quite soon uh, fingers crossed so yeah well done Steve Ledger get in touch with the podcast and let us know all about the Monday Night Strikers League uh, we'd love to hear about it um, the other thing that Neil usually does is uh, the little quiz on most popular transfers and he has sent the spreadsheet which I've just opened up and I cannot decipher it me, <laughs> it's just numbers
1: well, I've clicked to a summary table On the bottom tab, Chris, and we can see the transfers in and out. And I feel very powerful right now because normally sort of Neil will just tease us, get us to guess. But now I can see who everyone's transferring in and out. And there are some people I'm like, why were they still in your team? I could see the fourth most transferred personnel is Andre Santos. He's not even been in the league for the past two months. And a lot of people.
0: I mean, look, yeah, there could be people who've got irregular transfer windows, like your league, perhaps. True, true. It is, again, a random collection of players here, though. Um, I
1: want to know who the 14 people who transferred out William Saliba are. Please get in touch. (laughs) What are you doing?
0: (laughs) That is so true. That is really true. Who else have we got here? Well, so look, transfers in is always going to be reactionary. And it's weird, right? Because, like, Muniz from Fulham is obviously the most transferred in player. I get it. The likes of Kylem hudson Adoy started doing well. We spoke about him on the pod. People listen to us. Great, sure, I get it. But it's weird how so many people are bringing in Nunes from... Darwin Nunes from Liverpool. Because, like, I get it. If, like, he happens to be free for whatever reason. But how could have it have affected the second most amount of managers in Fantasy League? I don't know. Like, how is he not existing in your league already?
1: I guess maybe if you've got really regular... Transfer windows, people just when people drop players as soon as they're unavailable or injured. Maybe, maybe if you've got a weekly transfer window, some people will just like he's not playing this weekend. I want to get someone else in for this weekend specifically because he had the leak up, and now then other people have snapped him up. Maybe that's the logic. Yeah, though.
0: maybe. And I see as well that Kelleher, Liverpool's goalkeeper, is is quite high as well. I mean, that's clever for more than one reason Obviously, Alisson was injured and he would have done well um, in the FA Cup as well, but he may con- keep his place. And if you're sort of worried that your fantasy league goalkeeper isn't doing particularly well and keeps conceding, then then but you're doing quite well in the FA Cup, it might be a time now to start thinking about defenders and goalkeepers um, who might go the distance in the FA Cup and, he, and who might be the difference in that competition.
1: I've just got one more thing from this list that I'm also fascinated by. The person just below Kelleher is called Scarpa. And I've got to admit, that's a player I've never heard of. So I just Googled it. Transferred in by 30 managers. He was on loan at Olympiacos. He was owned by Forrest. He was on loan at Olympiacos. And he's gone to a club in Brazil in January. But 30 people have brought him in. What's going on, Chris? I need to know more. I need need more details. I understand why Neil couldn't give us his power before. Because I feel like... (laughs) I've looked into like, I don't know, like a looking glass and I might never get out from scrolling through this funny spreadsheet.
0: Yeah, well, he's just got years and years of understanding the data. Maybe we just can't read the data in this. Like, he knows all the reference points. I don't know. I do wish I kind of almost never saw this spreadsheet. We need you back, Neil.
1: (laughs) We miss you, Neil.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Talking of things that are coming back, uh, European competitions are coming back. Jesse and I know that you're not affected uh, because you got kicked out uh, not kicked out <laughs> you just got I mean I did
1: I got knocked out kicked out makes it yeah, sound like out. I broke an important european rule you know I yeah. played a player who I didn't ha- in my didn't have it in my official squad list you know, yeah I
0: was that didn't happen but those of you who do have european fixtures taking place you'll see that those are starting to happen now as of Next week, uh, so in the Champions League, as of the 5th of March. So it won't be affecting this current uh, weekend. Uh, But I've had a look in hours. And Rhys Harris, who won our league uh, by some distance last year, um, but now finds himself second bottom in the league and and doing his best to to try and uh, not get sacked at the end of the season, has been doing quite well in the Champions League. He won his group and he is playing James Fairhead. Team Jimmy is his team in the Champions League next round. So if that's you, I want to hear from you, James Fairhead, or I want to hear your trash talk to Reese, which I'll hand deliver to him personally. And if you don't give me the trash talk, I will deliver the trash talk back from Reese on next week's pod. So if you're out there, James Fairhead, please do get in touch with the podcast. Uh, Do you have any playing in yours? Wasn't your sister still in in Europe? Yeah,
1: my sister is still going strong in the Europa League. Uh, She is up against Dave Kinghorn of More Chips these in her match and obviously we did famously have one of her opponents from the group stage on the pod already so yeah dave if you're out there you can get in touch for any trash talking for emily
0: (laughs) uh and and uh, there might be some teams that are affected by um obviously by the, the amount of numbers that are left playing in europe i know that our europa league um representative johnny stuffins is not in the first round, he's he's been awarded a bye for the for the first round of the knockout phase, and then um, I'm sure he'll be back in a couple of weeks. So keep an eye on that, and it's kind of yeah, you survive a bit longer if you get your buy, I suppose. Um, but yeah, plenty to look forward to. It's it's I, I pitched it as a really big month. In our league, because of that, you know we've got the return of Europe. We've got the return of the FA Cup, which has you know happened already by the time you listen to this podcast. Uh, the head-to-head league is, is hotting up in hours, so sort of all the competitions are at play as we start to enter the business end of the season. I'll see if I can finish in the top three. We'll see if Jesse can can have a happy end to your season, Jesse. And to as all long you as you I'm above as well. Emily,
1: I'll be happy.
0: <laughs> That's the target um but all right thank you uh for this week jesse and thank you of course as always to producer simon and to ed and seb from part two uh we'll see you on the podcast next week where neil will also be back thanks very much